Hello, everybody. Paul Scarbina, the Predators beat writer for the Tennessean here and Catfish Corner, along with columnist Gentry Estes, whose undefeated streak of seeing the Predators ended at the Winter Classic um, not long before Peter Laviolette's tenure with the Predators ended. Um, Gentry, we uh, found out yesterday that Laviolette was let go and um, found out today that John Hines, the former Devils coach uh, who was fired in December. Um, first of all, I want to start with uh, Laviolette. I think, you know, he's he's led this team to its most successful run in franchise history. He's taken them to a Stanley Cup final. He's won a President's Trophy with them. <clears throat> They've won two division titles. His resume goes on and on. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe his message started to begin to be lost, and I don't think it started this season. I think maybe toward the end of last season when they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, carrying on over into this season where the team is severely underperforming. Um, what did you make? You know, you, we, we talked to David Poyle this morning. Um, he looked a little distraught. He doesn't do this very often. Uh, I think he's fired one coach in the midseason. That was 25 years ago. The guy's had six, now seven head coaches, I think, or something like that in his 37, 38-year career. What did you make of of the reasons that he gave for making the move? And how much do you think he struggled Doing, making the, the ultimate decision. No, I think he hated it. I think he hated having to be there. It was really awkward because he discussed the reasons for firing Peter right before they introduced the new coach and brought out the new jersey and uh, all that stuff, the celebratory aspects of a new coach. It, it felt kind of awkward and, and hollow in this scenario. Kind of how it should feel in the middle of a, of a subpar season, I would think, right? Yeah, and, and the one thing that, yeah, I think Poyle clearly didn't want to be there and it felt like a last resort it felt to an extent desperate in that he used the phrase for whatever reason they're underperforming the players all use the same phrase now either they're trying to be nice to Laviolette and don't want to call him out for being the reason or they truly don't know and I think if they truly don't know that's that's a scary thing that's a reflection on on what's going on inside that locker room I would I would think and you know ultimately I think players are Players play and coaches coach, and you know you can't fire twenty players. But I do believe that you know I mean Lively has a history of turning teams around. He's a quick fix, fix artist. He he took Carolina, won a Stanley Cup with them pretty quickly. Took the Flyers, turned them around, brought them to a Stanley Cup. Did the same thing in Nashville, and and but his over time his message seems to wane. Um, and it, you know it's interesting. On Sunday after they they lost to the Ducks, um, you know I, I talked with Craig Smith who was doesn't say much very often, but was very outspoken about kind of why the Predators were struggling. And, and one thing he said that stuck out to me was, you know, sometimes we have to just go out there and say F it. And he said, he, he those are the, his exact words. We, you know, in our system, we overthink things too much, and that starts to create problems. Um, Kyle Turris has mentioned the system before, and just kind of, if you look at the history of, of the Predators under Laviolette, You've seen a lot of guys who come in here who were really good offensive players, um, and their their numbers have gone down. I mean, you could start with 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 Kyle Turris, who was on, on a hot streak when he first twenty games with the Predators. He was their best player. Since then, nothing. Um, you know, you, you look at Mikael Granlin, who came in here, who who's had really good offensive numbers, and he's been able to. He struggled in this system. Ryan Hartman did the same thing. I mean, the list. You know, you can even make an argument that Ryan Johansson, despite his off- offensive output. He was a goal scorer before he got to Nashville, and all of a sudden he's been here and he he doesn't score very many goals. So, you know, Poyle's trying to make the right moves. I don't I don't necessarily know that 
those moves fit with the system that was in place. And, you know, that's that's one of the things. I mean, hockey systems are so complicated to try to understand and explain, and I'm not going to pretend to know them. But, you, but you, when you watch a game and you see guys, you, you know, the, 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 the Predators struggle a lot mentally, I think. When they would get down, it looks like, you know, they would show the fight and come back, but then much like they did in Anaheim. Or they would they get a two-goal lead and then give up two goals in the next two minutes. I mean, they, they just get so mentally deflated so quickly. And I think that's a product partially of a message from above, right? And I, and I do think there's some, there's some value to, you know, to that. But I, think, off, I think the Winter Classic was a perfect storm for that. Well, given, it was. Given the way that got away from him in 80,000-seat stadium, and it's, it's loud, it's the ultimate mental challenge of can you recover from that, and they couldn't. I think that was clear there. And and I think what Paul used the word devastating. He did use that word today. You know, one game doesn't define a season, but that was kind of the example of you know the way that the season's gone for the Predators. And after that game, you know, David Poyle walked through the locker room clearly, visibly upset. Yeah, he was fired up. Um, and you know, I think that there might have been a meeting that took place right after that game, or or, or you know, sometime soon after. And, you know, I think this decision wasn't made overnight, um, but, and it stems back, like I said, to last, to the end of last season. Now, I would, I would question, you know, if, if, if Poyle, like I said, has been very loyal to coaches, he's very quick to move players, I think he's made more trades than any GM in the history of the NHL, um, but you look at almost four decades of being a general manager, and he's had, you can count on one hand how many coaches he's had, uh, clearly he's not into you know, making shakeups like that. So this really does speak volumes in a lot of different ways about what how, how, how far gone it could be, and 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 you know the desperation, which is a good thing. Um, you know that David Poyle feels uh, right now. I mean, look, the man's been doing this almost four decades, and how hard is this sport? Well, he's never won a Stanley Cup. He's a Hall of Famer. He's you know made some shrewd moves. He's not afraid to to shake things up and and take chances. Um, but he hasn't hasn't reached the pinnacle of his profession yet, and I think that really, really, really eats away at him. And I think that you know, look, there's been I think six or seven coaches that have been fired this season. It's it's been kind of crazy across the NHL. Um, and John Hines, the, the new coach, is one of them. He was fired a month ago. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see how the players react. They've had now Hines was not on the ice this morning. I mean, he just got in. Uh, he's, I think he's met the players once. He's going to let the assistant coaches kind of run things tonight. But I think over time we're going to see some changes in, in defensive philosophy. I think we're going to see some changes in, in offensive philosophy. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of change is good. Well, and I think lighting a fire a little bit. I mean, I, I the players really did take a lot of responsibility for what had happened, I mean, partly because what else are you going to say? But I do think they they believe that that there there are probably some guys in that room who aren't aren't carrying the weight they're supposed to be carrying, and and Paul referenced that too. And and whenever a team is supposed to be a cup contender or as good as they were supposed to be, and they're not, you you have to look at guys who who are clearly underperforming. And I think the the new guy is going to come in and address that probably pretty quickly. They're either going to respond to having a new coach, a clean slate, a, a chance to, to to have have a different approach, or they may not be here much longer. Well, I mean that, and that's you know the old cliche of of you know if this doesn't light a fire under the predators, I I, I don't know what will. Right. I mean, you know, it's kind of a, it's not an unprecedented move in Poyle's career, but 
it's the closest thing you can get to unprecedented. You know, it's interesting. I, I talked with Kyle Turris this morning. You know, this this whole system thing has me, you know, besides the mental aspect of a locker room, and there's 20 different personalities in there and 20 different ways that people react to, to certain situations. Um, and Kyle Turris has been one guy that a lot who stood out under Laviolette. I don't think it's any secret that their relationship wasn't great. Um, and I, I just asked Kyle directly today after the scrum had kind of gone away, what was your relationship with Peter like? And, and Kyle paused for a second and, and looked at me and said, it's business. What else can I say? You know, he, very diplomatic, saying so much without really saying anything at all. And, you know, combine that with Craig Smith's comments the other day to me about, you know, just we need to just start simplifying things. Let's just go out there and we're, we're professionals. We're here for a reason. Let's just go out there and play hockey and stop thinking about every little thing that we're doing and start reacting. And I, I asked Craig, Craig struggled at the beginning of the season mightily. He, you know, I think he had two goals in the first, I don't know how, 32 games and he has eight in his last nine or something like that. And I, I said to him, you know, he's part of that, that, that Benino Grimaldi line that has the, been the Predators' best line all year. Mm-hmm. And I said, has that been your guys' approach? And he said, to be honest with you, yeah. We've been going out there and kind of not defying their coach, but they've been going out there and just doing what they're paid to do, and, play, and the results have been there. So I think that kind of says a lot about kind of how maybe Peter's message or his systems kind of just wore on players and, you know, look, they're, they're, the player's job is to, is to play for the coach, right? But you know, the, the the coach's job is to let his players play too, and I think it works both ways. And I'm not sure that a lot of players felt like Peter was allowing them to do that. Well, and I think it's the kind of thing too where there's things start going bad, so now you're trying to do more things, and they just continually get worse, I guess. But um, I don't think there's any question. I mean, the the run of stability in this organization is staggering really uh, the fact that this uh, the new coach is the third coach ever for the predators that's in, that's incredible and so, and poyle's been here since since the beginning and some would say that maybe that's part of the problem too but you know that's a whole another story but i think look these guys are you know they're it's not like they're not trying but they're clearly this season has been you know and david poyle without without singling anybody out um so there are several guys on this team who are vastly underperforming who do you think those guys are? Well, I mean, I look, <laughs> I think Kyle Turris is one of them. I mean, he's underperforming in terms of what his contract is. But he also, if you look at the other side of it, he, wasn't, he hasn't been put in a great position to succeed this season. I, I was first to be critical of Kyle last year when, when he was struggling. I was also one of the first people to defend him this year when I thought he should be being – he shouldn't be playing fourth-line minutes you know, at $6 million a year. The guy's proven he can play in this league. Something is wrong, right? So I don't – I think – you know, if you look at, um, you know, Matt Duchesne is another example. He started off great, and then kind of he's had some injuries, kind of disappeared. I mean, he got, he's another one of these guys, another example of a guy who started off just on fire, and then what happens to these guys after a while, right? Um, Victor Arvidsson, you know, he had the injury, but, you know, you kind of expect a lot out of him. The top guys you're looking at, I mean, if you look at this roster, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, I think, are the only two guys on this team this season who are doing what they should be doing in terms of performance, in terms of results. You can make a case for Benino, but... Uh, well, Nick Benino's probably overachieving a little bit, but if you but if you compare it to last year, it kind of gets lopsided, right? Like, so, but Nick Benino definitely has been, you know, been worth the value. Rocco, same thing, Craig Smith lately. Um, but pretty much everybody else on this team 
you know, aside from those guys and, and Roman and, and Ryan Ellis, um, could be better. Could be a lot better. Some of them could be a lot better. I mean, I, I look at Philip Forsberg, who to me has potential to be one of the top 10 or 15 players in this league. And you wonder when you look at his career, what's holding this guy back? Like, why isn't he, he's such a great dynamic playmaker and he's so, you know, he, he makes moves that are just make your jaw drop. And you just wonder like, why doesn't he do that more? Like, is he, is he being held back? Is he just not aggressive enough? I, you know, it's hard to, to, to pinpoint the quote unquote underachieving guys, but these are guys who are, have performed in the past, but you really, when you start looking at salary, you start looking at talent, you know, these guys should be better. Um, you know, Mikel Granlin's another guy that, that really should be a lot better, um, you know, results wise. And so, and that's not always goals. It's not always, a, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, Benino has been great, but he's a great two-way player for them. He's, you know, his value was defense, you know, mostly being a great defensive offensive player. This year he's added offense to the mix, but you know, you like to see guys just be more consistent. Their penalty kill has been awful this year. Last year it was the power play. Um, you know, and they're really not that good at that right now. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're really, near the bottom of the league. They're really both. not great at it. It's been a lot better, but how do you not get a lot better from being the worst in the league? I mean, you know, so there are things that – the other thing, too, is is are the goalies. Look, I mean, Pekka is getting older. He, you know, his numbers are at an all-time career low. After, the, after the, one of the best starts of his career – UC has not been the UC we're used to seeing. That also has to do with the defense, you know, in front of them to some degree. But you know, there's just there's a lot of flaws on this team that aren't going to be fixed overnight. But I think if you change the message and you kind of re-energize guys, you know, things can turn around in a hurry. I'm not expecting or anticipating a St. Louis Blues-like turnaround, but you never know, right? Like, if things kept going the way they were going, the Predators weren't going to go anywhere. I think the um, – to, to me, it kind of goes back to the idea that nobody could seem to really put a finger on exactly what is wrong. Because, I mean, Poyle clearly likes the roster. He said it before the season. He said it again today. I mean, he thinks they are built to win right now. And he's gambling on a coach that, that I think most people have said – was was with a, a rebuilding organization in New Jersey, so it's yeah. not yeah, it's not fair to 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 the new guy to compare his situation. I mean, he, look, he came from a team that wasn't very good, that was rebuilding, that what didn't have a lot of expectation, right? Didn't have the roster that this team has, and in the and the track record that this franchise has recently. So you know, to to poo poo the idea of you know this guy isn't the right guy either, you know. Look, we'll find out that David Poyle is not afraid to take a chance, and, that, and, and, and he felt like he needed to do that, and that's what he did. And so here we are. Now, look, having said all that, Peter Lavalette led this team, and I, and I said at the beginning, you know, this franchise has never had more success than they've had under Peter Lavalette. So that's not to say I, I think Peter Lavalette will have a, a job sooner rather than later uh, in this league, and, you know, he'll probably be successful again wherever he goes. So, you know, I. I think it, it's it is telling that David Poyle is willing to, you know, kind of change with the times and not just be stubborn, you know, and and, and too loyal. And it felt like a last resort. It did. It it really did. But you know, it was interesting that you said that about the Winter Classic, though. That 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 kind of he that was an embarrassment on a national stage. The way they you know the way that game unfolded, um, and 
you know, these guys put in too much work to, I know it's easy to be on the outside and say, oh, you know, he stinks and he stinks and he doesn't care. And he, when you're around these guys every day, I mean, they take a lot of pride in what they do. They care way more than you think. Um, you know, there are, I, look, we see the players who, who, who stay after every practice and, and, you know, get extra work in and, and, you know, a guy like Rocco Grimaldi, who's after every game stretching and doing exercises and, and, you know, after every practice, I mean, these guys, it's not like they don't care, but everybody, I think a lot of times you need the right leader in place to kind of get the results out of you sometimes that, you know, cause they're 20 individual guys. So yeah, they, they need somebody to kind of make them cohesive and, this group has been together a long time, a lot of them, and it's easy to just start tuning things out when you're together for so long. They they respond to adversity horribly. And when when they, they let things snowball, when they, they get a untimely penalty, when the Winter Classic, well, like I said, was a perfect storm of that because things got away so quickly and you could feel just this tide of momentum in that stadium, they just didn't handle it. And I don't know if a new coach can can give a team that. It's, you know, being in Nashville and covering the, the teams here, they're the opposite of the Titans. The Titans are not that talented, but they handle adversity really well and have all season. The yeah. Predators, I think, have allowed it to to cost them games too many, too many times. That's a, and that's a mental thing too. I think that's a, you know, and, and it was kind of funny. We were joking around, like, I think maybe you had said it after we were walking out of Bridgestone that, you know, if you just said in January, we're going to be sitting here talking about a coaching change. We probably wouldn't have guessed it would be the predators, you know, and here the Titans are and they're going to the second round of the playoffs and here the predators out of the playoff picture as of right now. So, you know, but things just as quickly as those things go that way, they can turn around too. Um, you know, and look, I've been no, Peter Lavillette apologist. I, you know, I, I, I respect the man's body of work. Uh, I don't agree with all his philosophies and, and whatnot, but that's okay. You know, that, that that's okay too. I, I'm, but it, you gotta, you, you have to be, look, the Predators made a move. There was a lot of people calling for Lavi's job for months now, you know, now they got what they wanted. Now they're going to, now it's time and you have to be patient and see what happens, you know? What I what I felt the ones I felt bad for were those fans in Dallas. Uh, Predators had twenty twenty five thousand fans in that stadium, and you heard the same chants you hear in Bridgestone. It was really really cool of them to turn out like that and have that kind of atmosphere on the road. And the the team just didn't play to it. And the in the third period, they just they had nothing left. And there's no reason that should have happened. It's I, I do agree that it would it's mental when you're talking about momentum. But you gotta question the effort at some point. Well, and that's again going for you know. I, I think coaching is overrated in a lot of ways in, in a lot of sports, um, but it also can be important too. So I think it's it, it all comes down to me. It all comes down to the players. David Poyle said today that this is not on Kevin McCarthy and and, and Peter Lavillette as much as it's on the players. Like they're the ones who have to go out there and what, whatever systems are, whatever it's your job as a player to perform. So we'll see starting tonight now that they have a coach, um, whether they start to do that. And um, here's my question. What if this doesn't fix things? What if it gets worse in a couple of weeks? Are you starting to see this roster get taken apart? I think that I think David Poyle certainly will try. Um, there are some guys on here that are hard to move. Um, you know, there are some guys who are, have higher value than, than they ever will, probably like a Nick Benino. Um, 
Kyle Turris will be a hard contract to move. So he's got he's got his hands. David Poyles will have his hands full. He's you know he's open. He said a week or two ago that you know he, he's open for business. We, we don't know. It might be the first time in five or six years that we're going to be we could be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, I don't think a rebuild mode is in in effect. Uh, I think they'll, they'll try to re- reload mode instead of a rebuild mode because they have a lot of talent, a lot of long term contracts. I think this move clearly was aimed at that. And, and look. This team still has a chance to be really good, um, and I'm not, you know, I just say that as an outside observer. I think, you know, they have the potential. But we're going to find out over the next few months where they stand, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in the meantime and, and see the progress that's coming along, uh, you know, during that time, and that starts tonight. Um, but uh, that'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you'll subscribe to the Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Drop us a review or a rating while you're at it, good or bad. We like to, the feedback. And for uh, Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scarvino, and we'll talk to you next time.